Welcome back to Takeus McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour. I'm Tim Takeus. Today we are speaking about scams, financial exploitation, abuse of the elderly, and so forth, especially those targeting seniors. And I'm Barbara McGinnis. In this segment, we're going to be talking with Artie Griffin, who is Nashville or Davidson County's Assistant District Attorney, and she's specifically tasked with crimes against elderly people. So welcome, Artie. Thank you for having me. And uh, tell us more about your role and how it's unique. Yeah, so uh, I'm a local prosecutor here in Nashville, um, and I think my role is a little differently because most of the time assistant DAs are assigned to a specific courtroom or a specific docket, and uh, they'll handle any and all crimes that, that happen to be there that day. Um, but for me, I'm tasked with protecting a special subsect of victims, so elderly and the vulnerable. So it's, it's not um, unheard of to see me running around the courthouse trying to chase down my cases. And so you've been doing this for how long? I, I started working with um, these cases in t about early 2017, and then um, once we kind of saw the volume of cases or referrals that um, we were reviewing through Adult Protective Services, that's when we realized that we really needed one ADA to handle all of these cases. Um, and so I've been doing this full time since December of 2017. So this is a new thing. Yes, yeah. it is a new thing for Davidson's County. Right. Who are usually the perpetrators of these types of cases? Crime. Yeah. Cases. Well, unfortunately, it, it oftentimes is there's a relationship of trust between the, the victim and the perpetrator. So then when you talk about trusting relationships, obviously you're talking about family members or mm -hmm. caregivers. Sometimes there are strangers when we talk about the financial exploitation scams, right. um, but the vast majority of the referrals that I receive and I review um, involve some sort of allegation of neglect or abuse, and most of the time it's the family members or a caregiver. Yeah. So what recourse does a person have um, if they suspect an elder of being physically abused or neglected? Yeah. And how do they report that? Yeah. Um, the, the, I always tell people if you have some concerns, report to Adult Protective Services. They'll kind of be the first line of defense, I guess. Um, you report to them and then when Adult Protective Services receives a referral, what they'll do is they will, they have to go through a process of determining whether or not they'll investigate. Um, even regardless of whether they do or they don't investigate, they have to send it to certain parties. Um, one of those parties is myself. They send mm -hmm. it to law enforcement, um, the Department of Health if it touches on them. Um, and so once I receive the referral, I'll um, kind of conduct my own screening process to determine whether or not um, a crime might have actually occurred. And if so, that's when myself, law enforcement, and EPS will still keep them involved. We'll start the investigatory process. Um, one thing that Tennessee has done is they have required that each uh, Assist district Attorney's Office to create what we call the Vulnerable Adult Protection Investigation Teams, mm -hmm. and essentially, that's a mouthful. That's <laughs> yeah. a, that's <laughs> a vapor, I think, is what you referred to yeah, as. Yeah, habit. Yeah. Um, it, it essentially mandates that we review every single referral of abuse, neglect, or exploitation that APS receives, and then um, start an investigative process and prosecute if necessary. Mm -hmm. So. What steps are taken to make sure to protect the elder during this investigative process? Yeah, so we're finding that it's, it's gonna take a lot of different parties involved, and not just ourselves, law enforcement and the prosecutor's office, okay. because like I said, oftentimes um, the perpetrator is the family member or a caregiver, or the family member is the caregiver. Mm -hmm. So we wanna make sure that when we 
are investigating and we're essentially removing that provider from the victim to protect them, we're also connecting them with resources to make sure that somebody is there to fill that gap to make sure that they're still getting what they need. Mm -hmm. So General Griffin, can you tell us a little bit about maybe a case that you have prosecuted recently? That yeah, I don't want to get into too, <laughs> too many <laughs> specifics, mm -hmm. but um, sure. I can tell you what we're seeing. Um, oftentimes when you have homemakers going into the home or healthcare, home health care, um, we are starting to see um, instances where um, those caregivers will go in the home in some way, shape, or form, they'll obtain financial information for that, the person that they're there to provide care for, and they'll use that information and they'll start slowly exploiting them, um, either getting their bank records and somehow um, setting up online accounts and kind of using the funds that way, or they'll start taking jewelry or just a lot of the items that they have at the home and pawning them. Um, so I always tell some of our victims, and whenever I talk to law enforcement, I, when they do their community relationships or, or relations, I'm always saying, you know, make sure that we're educating them about who's coming into their home, um, because of course the healthcare company they're they're going to do a background check as well, um, but they just kind of want to be aware of the situation, so that way they're putting those things away in a locked box to make sure that they're just not out in the open. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, unfortunately, we do see abuse. So. Um, typically that comes to our attention through the normal arrest route. Somebody will get arrested and we'll review the case and we realize that the victim is elderly or vulnerable um, and that's when I step in. Mm. So I, I mean I think we could recognize abuse mm -hmm. but sometimes neglect is a little more subtle. And, yes. And so talk to us about neglect. How yeah. do we spot what is it? What's it look like? Mm -hmm. And then we're, we've got some new laws or? Yeah so and unfortunately uh, when I looked at all of our the cases that were reviewed last year, all of our referrals, unfortunately, the vast majority of them were allegations of neglect. Um, so one of the things that we tell people to be aware of, um, or at least how they can kind of spot it, is do you see your, your neighbor? Um, did you used to see your neighbor often? Or um, And all of a sudden, are they kind of being isolated away by themselves? Because neglect happens in an isolated area. Um, oftentimes, the victims are bedridden, so they can't get out for themselves, and they're relying on their caregiver to do everything for them. So. Mm -hmm. Um, what neglect could look like in that situation is they're not getting them their medication, they're not getting them to the doctor's appointments, they're not providing food, um, they're not turning them if they're, they are bedridden, they're not helping to get them from the bed to the wheelchairs, making sure that they're, um, I guess, they're, um, if they have diapers, not changing their diapers that often. Um, and so when all of these things happen, the, then the victim is going to start manifesting um, physical symptoms. They're, mm -hmm. they're going to be malnourished, mm -hmm. um, they're going to have sores, um, different things are going to start to occur because of the lack of care and that's when that's when it becomes a crime, is when the victim has started to suffer um, detriment or harm, that's when mm -hmm. it crosses into the criminal boundaries. Yeah. That's kind of what I was, I mean it really sort of occurs to me mm -hmm. is, is that how much of the neglect is due to ignorance, right. lack of education, right. versus willful where it rises to the level of intent. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, uh, lawyers, we know that you have to have some sort of criminal intent, right? Um, so rather than just being ignorant. Yes. So a lot of the times when we do see the neglect referrals, we are trying to be cognizant of: is this just a family member who is stressed, where they're trying to right. help with their parents, but they're also trying to make sure that they're providing for themselves and their families? Mm -hmm. So that is always when we go into the situation, we're not automatically thinking, let's you know, throw the book at them. Right. We're trying to make sure that they, if it is a sources issue, we're um, getting services. That is our first 
our first. Um, how can we help the victim? Yes, how, how can we help you help them? Right. Um, but when it starts to be a repeated referral, where we're mm -hmm. starting to see that referral come up a lot, yeah. um, that's when it starts to cross into the boundaries of, okay, we've educated you, um, what is the issue? Because at that point, you've, you, you they know what they're supposed to do, um, but are they willfully neglecting them in terms of they're just not doing what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So, and then I think it's also important to note that um, a lot of these cases, neglect, abuse, and exploitation, they're not mutually exclusive. Sure. Oftentimes they're co-occurring. So when you do have a victim who's being neglected, you often wonder, well, why are they being neglected? Is it because their adult child is also managing their finances? And are they supposed to be using their paycheck to pay the victim's bills and get food and medications? Mm -hmm. And if they are supposed to do that, are they actually doing that? Or are they pocketing that money for their own benefit? So now all of a sudden, it's not just a case of neglect. We're also looking at financial exploitation. Mm -hmm. mm. Would that be a federal crime if it's Social Security? Uh, it could be. Um, I think what's really great about um, what's happening with the DOJ right now is that they have this Elder Justice Task Force. So each um, part of the state has, uh, Middle Tennessee has our own Elder Justice Coordinator mm -hmm. who is an, AO, an AUSA who is charged with assisting, essentially helping us with prosecutions but also prosecuting the cases too if they rise to the federal level. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Right. So if it's a federal benefit then yes. it would rise to, it would be federal, federal crime. Yes. It could potentially be prosecuted on their level. So it seems like we're paying a lot more attention to it. Absolutely. We're getting a lot of resources to look at this this problem in society. Does that mean it's happening more, that there's more cases? Yeah, because I've definitely seen an, an uptick in the amount of referrals that we reviewed last year between this year. And a lot of people are concerned, is this happening more? And honestly, well, Nashville's population is growing. So I think mm -hmm. when you have a, a population that grows, you're gonna see an uptick in crime. But I think at this juncture, it's more people are just aware. Um, I think if you asked some of the people in my office, hey, what's Adult Protective Services? They would have no idea what it is. So I think the fact that we're educating people and we're more Mm -hmm. getting out there in the community saying this is what's happening if you you know you're you know your church congregation if all of a sudden that elderly woman who sat in the front pew every Sunday is no longer there why is she not there mm -hmm. so making sure that they understand the signs to look for so if they see something or if they don't see somebody they're inquiring what's going on and if they start to see a pattern then they they alert the right people and that's going back to what you said who is the first person to talk to talk to adult protective services mm -hmm. um, because once you notify them they're going to notify all the other interested parties and once mm -hmm. we get involved we'll make sure that we actually see the investigation what are you telling through. specifically some of like the people that you're educating mm -hmm. what to look for um, it's it's just that if if you have an individual in your community that you're used they're to seeing, they're not showing up. They're not showing up. They're starting to look um, not themselves. So if they're starting to look a little thinner, um, maybe they're not as clean as they and you know well kept as they m used okay. to be. Um, if they are um, it, if they're asking for help, um, always that is that's a sure sign. Yeah. Um, I think once you start noticing a change in someone's demeanor and their physical appearance, that's kind of a first clue that something might mm -hmm. not be not be right. Right. Yeah. And especially if you noticed, oh well, this change has started happening when adult son came back in the home, then maybe there, that those two those two circumstances might be tied together. Mm -hmm. More than just a coincidence, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure many of these I mean, are these. I assume are you are you uh, educating physicians or are yeah. these people are they actually seeing are they actually seeing maybe that's part of the neglect? Yeah, so that was our first step. Once we kind of educated ourselves with VAPIT, um, we started educating law enforcement. So we just actually had a training with. 
the Metro Law Enforcement with a TBI, came and spoke about what his neglect investigations look like. The ME spoke about what neglect looks like from his perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and then I talked about the new laws coming. And um, so now that we've educated ourselves in law enforcement, the next step is I've spoken with the EMTs about, you know, if they see something, what can they do right. to kind of um, notify us that there might be a situation. Um, and then just branching out, and now the next step is to healthcare because obviously nurses and doctors they'll be seeing a lot of information. They'll be seeing a lot on their end, and um, everybody's a mandatory reporter here in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. It's not just neighbors or loved ones. You know, it's yeah. it's everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got your uh, contact information. We also have Adult Protective Services contact information that we can put up, and. Um, and, and there's another contact for abuse in nursing homes, who to contact. Uh, any preemptive measures that, or any final tips that you want to give yeah. the audience? I always tell my families, just keep track of your loved ones. Um, my grandma is an assisted living facility and I know that I'm always, I, I'm here in Tennessee, they're in Ohio, but I'm always talking to my brothers about making sure that they're mm -hmm. going to visit her, they're calling her, because uh, like I said, once they get the victims isolated, that's when the, the crimes start to occur because then they realize that they have no one. Um, so it's really important to stay in touch with your loved ones, whether it be by phone or actually personal visits, just constantly, constantly, constantly be in touch with them because once somebody knows that they have somebody who cares for them, they're less likely to victimize them. Thank right. you. Thank you for what you do Absolutely. and thank you for being here today. And it's time for us to take a break, but we've got uh, another great guest. And so stay tuned. We're going to come back and talk about support for victims. Thanks. <laughs>